Psalm chapter 22 To the chief musician set to the deer of the dawn a psalm of David My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from the words of my groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, yet I have no rest. But you are enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted in you, delivered them. They cried to you and were set free. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads, saying, He trusted in Yahweh. Let him rescue him. Let Yahweh deliver him, since he takes pleasure in him. But you are he who took me out of the womb, making me secure while at my mother's breast. I was given over to you at birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Basha have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have brought me to the dust of death. The dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced the hands of my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Yahweh, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brothers. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear Yahweh, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him. All you descendants of Israel, revere him. For he has not despised nor detested the torment of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from him, but listened when he cried to him for help. Because of you, I will give praise in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows before those who fear him. The humble shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise Yahweh. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the world will remember you and turn to Yahweh. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom belongs to Yahweh, and he rules over the nations. All who prosper on the earth will eat and bow down. All those who go down to the dust will kneel before him, even the one who cannot preserve his life. Descendants will serve him. The next generation will be told about the Lord. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who are not yet born, that he has done this. There are many psalms that are written with a lamentation, a lament up front, and then there's an epiphany, a shift, 
and a change in the second part. Why do the wicked prosper? You know, David, the psalmist, is ranting about, you know, how come good things happen to bad people. And then the shift happens. Then I went to the house of the Lord, and I remembered I'm going to heaven, and they're not, basically, was the revelation he had. The story's not over. And this particular lament is actually a prophetic picture of what would happen a thousand years later in the death of Jesus while hanging on the cross. The whole crucifixion experience, starting with his prayer after singing a hymn after the the Last Supper, they sang a hymn and walked into the Mount of Olives and found a place to pray where he prayed, Father, if it be your will, if there's some other way, let's do that instead. The pressure was so great, sweating as it were, great drops of blood, facing great pain, the greatest of which would be separation from his Father. Now we know there's one God. God the Father, his Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit are all one God. Yet Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is also the Son of Man. So he has a dual nature, fully God, fully man. But to pay the penalty for sin, he would do it as a righteous man on the cross, separated from his Father. And now he's still a man, and he's still God, and he's at the right hand of authority on high. So let's look at the psalm today and read this lament, understanding it it is prophetic picture of what went through Jesus' mind and life. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Remember those words in Aramaic? Lama, lama, lama sabachthani? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season... And I am not silent. Remember the night before the cross, before the beating, the night of his arrest. He's crying out to his father. And then he worships, even though what he's going through is tough. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. I know you're faithful. But I am a worm and no man. In other words, you help all these other people, but I'm not getting help here. I'm a worm and no man. The word here for worm is a specific kind of worm. The worm they would crush and get red dye out of to dye some of the fabric in the tabernacle and in the temple. A reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They're making faces. They shake their heads saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Remember the mocking when he was on the cross? If you're the son of God, come down off that cross. If there really was a voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, where is he now? This is some pretty heavy duty mental anguish, isn't it? 
But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breast. I, will cast upon, I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Who was present there at the foot of the cross? His mother. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. It's a fearsome thing to have a bull between you and a way of escape. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. The the crowd is crazy. Crucify him, crucify him. I am poured out like water, verse 14, and all my bones are out of joint, a symptom of being crucified. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. His heart's broken. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, piece of pottery. My tongue clings to my jaws. That's pretty thirsty. You have brought me to the dust of death. The dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. You can look down and see the result of the wounding he's had and the disjoining that's going on in his body. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. When you have time, read in all four Gospels, the occasion of Christ's death and compared to what is written in this psalm. They cast lots for one of his garments and divided the others into parts. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. So this is a desperate state, isn't it? Now here comes the shift. Here comes the revelation. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. One of the seven Hebrew words for praise is used there. It's the word halal, which means to rave, to be clamorously foolish, to be clear in your praise, in your declaration. In the midst of the assembly, in the middle of God's people, basically, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him. And fear him, all you offspring of Israel. Respect him. Honor him. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. The Hebrew word for praise there is the word tehillah. It's it's a laudation. It's a hymn. It's to sing your praise. I'm going to sing my praise to you 
in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. I'm going to keep my promises. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise or halal the Lord. Let your heart live forever. Now this is going on in his heart while he's being crucified. This is incredible. All the, the ends, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations shall worship before you. Who worshiped the Father here this morning? We're here because he went to the cross for us. That's the result. For the kingdom is the Lord's, Jehovah's, Yahweh's, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. So the poor are going to worship, the prosperous are going to worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. A posterity shall serve him. It shall be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born, that he has done this. That's us. We were not born yet. Our parents weren't born yet. But through his suffering, we have been transformed. He was hung up for our hang-ups. At one time, for all time, he paid the penalty for sin. Chuck Colson, the founder of Prison Fellowship, became a believer while in prison for lying during the Watergate, Watergate scandal. He had been on Nixon's cabinet and lied to protect other liars and paid a penalty. But through it all, he became a believer and became a valid minister of the gospel in prisons and became highly respected to the point of winning awards for his ministry and changing lives. And his ministry was looked to as, as a, a voice on behalf of the imprisoned. And he often would be invited to prisons to do an inspection. And in South America, he was invited to inspect a prison that had like the lowest return rate. Is that called recidivism? The lowest return, return rate in that area was at this particular prison. The person giving him the tour the trustee was a convicted murderer, transformed by the gospel. And he asked, do you guys have any uh, solitary confinement cells? Yes, we have a solitary confinement block over there, but no one's been in that thing for years. Such peace reigned there. Well, can I see it? Yes. So, he opens the door. Keep in mind, this guy's a murderer, former murderer. And uh, lets Chuck Colson sit and in, step inside. And the only thing in there beside, you know, a few furnishings was a crucifix on the wall. Jesus' body on the cross. And the trustee behind him said, he's in here all the time, doing time for the rest of us. 
It's faith in the redemption, faith in the redeemer, who once and for all, for all time, did time for the rest of us. I don't believe he is on a cross in solitary confinement in deep South America. I don't believe he's there. But he's there in what he did on the cross for all the world. His blood hit the ground, and the effects of his righteousness is for all nations to receive the benefit of. Amen? And faith in that will change your life. It will make a convicted murderer trustworthy. It will set a meth addict free. It will make the unfaithful faithful. Thank God for the fulfillment of Psalm 22. Today we're continuing our series on wonderful worship. On the subject, wonderful worship is a New Testament practice. Uh, You might be tempted to think if you had come the previous five Sundays that it's an Old Testament thing. No, it's very much a New Testament principle. I'd like to start with Jesus' discussion with a woman at the well in Sychar of Samaria, a Samaritan village. And there the Lord attempted to minister to her, and first she repelled him by bringing up a religious debate. The debate was, should we worship where our forefathers worshipped on this mountain, or should we worship in Jerusalem? At that time, according to the law, Jerusalem was the place, not the law, but the uh, ongoing revelation of God through the Old Testament Scripture. Jerusalem was the place, but it wasn't going to be for all time. So it really was a mute, unnecessary debate. He said, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers, no longer on this mountain or in Jerusalem, will worship the Father in spirit and truth. So it's a condition of our heart, our spirit, in relation to inspired truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So this is New Testament scripture. The Father's looking for worshipers, not on some mountain somewhere or not in the Holy Land. As wonderful as it is to go, go if you can. He's looking for worshipers who will worship him in their, in, with their spirit and in alignment with truth, in spirit and truth, communing with the Holy Spirit and biblical truth. This is expressed through New Testament Scripture. Wonderful worship is a New Testament practice. More than once we are told to rejoice always. One of the expressions of worship expressions of what God means to us, nothing else, no one else will do, is our willingness to rejoice in any circumstance. Romans 12, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning, amen? Rejoice in the Lord always, Philippians 4. Again, I will say rejoice. Philippians written to a church in Philippi where Paul had established a beachhead for the gospel in that part of the world and got thrown in prison for casting out a slave girl's demon who had ability to predict people's future because of demon possession. 
You'll see this kind of thing honored and adored in the secular realm by people claiming to communicate with the dead. Well, your dead uncle says all this stuff, and the, the, it's profound how close they are to reality. What's going on? Are they really talking to the dead? No, they're talking to familiar spirits who you know, are much older than we are, and they are aware of human history, so they know stuff. And so if they can possess a person to the point of communicating through them, they can give faux words of knowledge and, and uh, supposedly give advice from one's dead relatives. That is misleading and will lead you away from the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection and the power of the gospel. So they're in this town beaten for casting out this demon because someone has lost income now. They were making money off the poor girl while she's tormented, and thrown in prison in the inner cell in stocks and chains. And what are they doing? They're rejoicing. They're singing to the Lord. And an earthquake came. They were set free, and uh, a church definitely got established then. And he wrote them a letter. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice, even when you're in prison. The second shortest verse in the Bible, 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always. Somebody said all the time. God's glorious love should be our reason for worship. We worship, you know, we, we praise him when things are going good and we praise him when things are going bad because he always loves us. His grace cares for us. To the praise of the glory of his grace, that undeserved favor that we have. Ephesians 1, 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. The Greek word therefore accepted is only in the New Testament twice. It's used by Gabriel when he approaches a virgin named Mary and told her that she was accepted to be the mother of the Son of God, that she would bear a son. Called her highly favored. It's the word kari, which relates to karis, grace. Tao, it magnifies it, highly favored. It's used with her, and it's used with us. He made us kari tao, highly favored, accepted in the beloved. Why? We can give praise, the glory of his grace. That we, verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Tell somebody, praise is a New Testament thing. New Testament thing. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, so that you could be a spoiled brat? No. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, I love technology. I love high-quality Christian music and Christian radio. You know, I've got my radio tuned to so many of those stations. We're very blessed. You know, we live in the buckle of the Bible Belt. What do we have, like eight Christian stations? Just on counting AM as well? But never allow that stuff, as wonderful as it is, to be a substitute for your own voice. Well, I don't like the sound of my voice. Well, God likes it. He gave it to you. 
Well, I don't like my accent. Well, God chose to save you right out of Texas and make you a citizen of the kingdom. Well, people think I'm crazy driving down the road singing. Not anymore. Thanks to Bluetooth, we got people talking to themselves all over the place. <laughs> Giving thanks for all things should inspire our singing. Ephesians 5, verse 18 says, Don't be drunk with wine in which is excess or wastefulness, but be filled with the Spirit. And here's an expression of being filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So with this attitude of giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of Jesus, we speak to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts. All part of it. So every kind of music. Well, can you praise the Lord with rap? I don't like rap. I don't think you can praise the Lord with rap. Well, can you make a proclamation with rap? How about poetry? Can you proclaim stuff? Then you can. As long as it's not blasphemous. You can worship. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What is the will of God? I need to know the will of God. What is the will of God? The will of God is to give thanks for everything. And everything will flow out of that. We're taught to sing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. Now in children's church, we used to sing this. Colossians 3.16, and then we go country. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Well, I like hymns, but I don't like this new stuff. Well, hymns used to be new stuff. The songs you enjoy, think about it, every generation has conflict with the one before. So as long as it's biblical, that's the important thing. Well, I don't like this 7-Eleven worship. You know what 7-Eleven worship is? Seven words, 11 times. Somebody said uh, the traditional worship is, you know, like saying the brown cow ate green grass and gave white milk and yellow butter, right? But water worship is like the brown, the brown cow, the brown, brown cow, the brown cow ate, ate, ate grass. I think they have a point. But you need to read Scripture. There are creatures witnessed in heaven in the book of Revelation. In your Bible, will say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. Read your margin. And it says the manuscripts say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. 
So are these worshiping creatures in heaven just mindless automatons who can't think very creatively? The word holy is a superlative, man. You can't get higher than holy. It's altogether separate. It's pure like nothing else. It's special. Holiest. But you can modify the word holy by adding another holy. It's not just holy. God is not just holy. He's holy, holy. You know, in August, it's not just going to be hot outside. It's going to be hot, hot. In Alaska, in the winter, it's not just going to be cold. It's going to be cold, cold, cold. Well, think of that in terms of God. He's not just holy. He is holy, holy. Each holy modifying the next. Holy, 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 holy. All right, I got it. No, that is an expression of what he is. He is holy to the ninth power and beyond. So we're to sing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. Back to the sermon. Sorry for the rabbit trail. We are encouraged to praise continuously. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually, somebody said all the time, offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips. Giving thanks to his Well, I leave my TV on TBN all the time. Well, that's not a substitute for this. Our lips have a sacrifice to make. The Lord's looking for fruit on our lips, a fruit of thankfulness. Genuine faith that is being tested gives praise to God. Look at this. 1 Peter 1, 6-8. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials so that the proof or the testing of your faith, being much more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. So we rejoice because our faith is going to come through. And that faith, you may not feel like singing. You may not be singing, but you're remaining faithful to God. Maybe you get be, you've been betrayed beyond the limits of your imagination. You cannot believe what you're going through, but you're remaining faithful to the Lord. He is being honored to that. That is a song to him. Look at my son. Look at my daughter. They're not giving up. That's bragging material. Christ's own sufferings inspire us to rejoice when we are tried. 1 Peter 4 goes on to say, verse 12, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. You know, this is, I'm the only one to go through this. I uh, don't think so. As though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering. Was he betrayed? Was he slandered? Was he beaten? Did he face injustice, false charges? Yes. Then what you're going through is similar to what he's going through. It can develop in your heart a fresh appreciation for him. 
reason to praise. Rejoice. Hebrews 2, 11 through 12 is a reiteration of a little bit of Psalm 22. It says, Jesus sings praise with his people. Remember, after lamenting, verse 25 of Psalm 22, my praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. In verse 22, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. Look at Hebrews 2.11. Both he who sanctifies, that's the one who sets us apart, and those who are sanctified are all of one, all from one Father, for which reason he's not ashamed to call them brethren. So as a son of man, he is our elder brother. Who knows that? You're the brother. Jesus is your brother. We're his brothers and sisters. He's one of us. He's the great high priest. You got a brother who's the judge and the defense attorney. Say, I will proclaim your name to my brethren in the midst of of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Now, on the cross, this would be a declaration of faith, would it not? I'm going to, like Job, in my flesh I shall see God. But in reality, he pays his vows. That was also Psalm 22. He does this. How does he do it? I've contemplated on this for years. And so I'm going to share the results of all my contemplations. Hope I don't get too weird for you. This is about as weird as I get. But if he saves us, he gives us a reason to sing, right? Then he is singing through us, right? You ever tell your child what you want for Christmas and then give them the money to buy it? So who's blessing who here? Is the child blessing you? Obviously, the child's heart is blessing you. But are you blessing, are you part of that picture? So he's part of the picture of our worship. Just as a musician plays the drums or the cymbals or blows a trumpet or plays the guitar, the instrument's there, but it takes someone to play it for it to express. And so the Lord has played on our heartstrings, as it were, inspiring us by our great, by his grace, giving us songs to sing. I mean, that song, It Is Well With My Soul, that came from unbelievable odds. And here comes this expression of worship beyond belief, right? Somebody inspired that. That's not just cute little clever human creativity. So he has a hand in our praise. Who's seen uh, America's Got Talent? Well, before that show came to be, it actually sprang from Britain's Got Talent. And on YouTube, you can look at old uh, episodes. And one of their earlier episodes, Simon Cowell is one of the judges, a very large, big giant of a man, uh, Englishman of African descent, stepped up. And Simon Cowell says, what do you have for us, sir? He said, I am a choir. You're a what? I am a choir. You're a choir? Yes. 
Okay, show us what you got. So the lights go down, the spots come up, and he does this. And a group of people on that end of the auditorium stands up and begins to sing. And then he does this. And a group of people on this side of the auditorium stands up and begins to sing in harmony with this group. And then he does this. And a group of people in the back of the auditorium stands up and begins to sing in harmony with the other two. Then he does this. They all come forward, and before the episode is over, he is leading them and singing. No, needless to say, he was invited back. Is it like that? Could be. Or is he in heaven literally singing when we sing? He's at the right hand of the Father. He's the Son of God. He's the Son of Man. He's the resurrected man, Christ Jesus. God manifests in the flesh. He's able to sing. He sang a hymn before he went to Gethsemane. He's singing with us. Is Jesus leading on your lips so he can join in with you? Now here's where things may get a little bit weird for you, but let's stretch our thinking and just, I'm not saying anything, nothing I'm saying is concrete and stone, but on the internet, you've got a wild west of craziness, right? And out there's all sorts of video clips and audio clips of things called heavenly sounds. I'll just put them in that category. Is this heavenly sounds? With the stories behind them. So this first clip I'm going to play was recorded years ago on tape by a group of seven people who gathered for choir practice in Kansas City, Missouri. A Dr. Schneider was their director, and I guess he was uh, probably disappointed by the small turnout, but they worshiped the Lord anyway. And they opened their practice by singing the chorus, Hallelujah, twice, a cappella. And then they went on and practiced some other songs. Later, someone listened to the tape, and this is what they heard. Beyond a cappella, beyond their voices, including instruments, on the tape. Now, if you know how tape recorders work, they erase what was recorded before, right? And if they had accidentally hit play, they would have heard what was on the tape. So it was a mystery to them.
The verse you heard was the, the words, Hallelujah, breathe it all across the land. Everybody's singing at the Lord's command. All the saints and the angels are in heaven. Wait to hear the news of Jesus and his children as they're coming through. All right, our next one is, is uh, next clip. We've just got three more, so bear with me. Is in Baltimore, Maryland. It was a church gathered, 25 people there witnessed this that also was on the tape after church. So during the service, there was a person singing, playing the piano, just worshiping the Lord with her voice. And this is what they heard and got recorded on tape as well. The next one is in Shandong, China, which is the eastern side of China, close to the east coast there. Shandong, a small group of women were worshiping the Lord, singing a song. Someone had a tape recorder and recorded it. And when they went to listen to the tape, it was a completely different song that they had never heard before. And the lyrics of the song are, are using terminology that wasn't part of their theology. It was almost a, a mid-trib song about suffering and storms and floods and all that. But it was an amazing phenomena that um, occurred overseas. Watch this. This next one was recorded on high-tech equipment, multi-track recording, a worship night in a college campus auditorium in Alexandria, Louisiana. A man named Jason Upton playing piano, singing with a bass and drums and no other singers with mics. What you're about to hear is what they heard, everybody heard. And afterwards, when they went to review the tape, it was on 
the multi-track, but only on the track with Jason's mic. Like these other voices harmonizing with him were in his mic with him. was a very long song about um, the freedom we have in Christ and uh, these other voices appeared. I'm not going to lead us into weirdness, but I just wanted to point that out. There's a lot of weird stuff on there. These four things were most impressive to me in what I, what I listened to. Um, the Lord sings with us, right? And the angels can't sing our song with the truth that we have, right? Because if they mess up, they're done, right? But they, they peer, they look, they gaze upon the, the beautiful relationship we have with God. Right? Well, there's no verse that says angels sing. It's true, but there's no verse that says they don't. But there is plenty of scripture that says Jesus sings. Final point, our command to praise comes directly from heaven. Revelation 14, 6, Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. The ultimate question of life is, who are you going to worship? Then there's a voice from the throne. In chapter 19, verse 5, a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as a sound of many waters, is a sound of mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, 
for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for what you went through on the cross for us. I want to thank you for submitting to the Father's will. Father, I thank you for giving your Son the ultimate act of love for us. And Lord, that you took the ultimate sins that were committed against your Son and redeemed them through the resurrection. Thank you, Lord. From that sadness comes joy and worship. We honor you for that today. Lord, as we wrap up the service by worshiping you, Lord, I pray we wouldn't wrap up our worship, but we would ramp up our worship, that we would sing beyond the times we are together. In Jesus' name, amen. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound, drenched in tears, laid him down in Joseph's Oh,
Oh, no. 